just really feel like that um, tonight there's an opportunity for us to, um, I don't know, receive a greater revelation and a greater experience. And I'm even going to say an impartation of perfect love. Perfect love. Perfect love. I don't know, if you're here tonight, I, I, you know, I really, you know, kind of tossed around, do we, do we do tonight? Do we not do tonight? And um, I felt like the Lord said, if one person shows up, then that's enough for you to do it, Shalise. Because I, I love one. I love the one. And it's been on my heart today. I've been, <clears throat> I just really know in my heart of heart of heart of heart of hearts that love <clears throat> is not supposed to be, um, I don't know, so hard. <laughs> you know, so hard for us to get so hard for us to understand, so hard for us to, to experience. And um, I feel like the Lord's really been revealing to me for a while now that, and I, I've, been, I've been talking to people about it, and everybody that I talk to <clears throat> says the same thing, that there's this, this but turn both on him. Yeah, there's a key that's like we're missing. And um, it sounds really simple, but I don't even think we really hear about it in church. But it's this idea of self-love. And it's this idea that the gospel, for everything that it gives us, I mean, it gives us so much, but it gives us permission to love ourselves. And, you know, religion and the law and <clears throat> just the performance-based world that we live in, you know, teaches us that love is to be earned. That when we, we do it right, um, we're worthy of love. And when we do it wrong, we're not. And I know everything I'm saying it sounds so like common sense. But I talk to people every single day who are have had this much Bible, this much experience with even the supernatural. They know the word, but yet they're struggling. Um, and whenever I talk to them about this concept, they intuitively know that that's, they're lacking it, that they're lacking something inside of themselves, even though they know theoretically God loves them, they're still having trouble connecting with just peace and joy and <clears throat> all the things that belong to us in Christ. 
so Holy Spirit, I'm just asking you to fill my mouth and help make this plain because there's so much stirring in my heart and feel like things that you've been showing me and revealing to me. But help me communicate it in a way that um, penetrates the hearts of the hearers that are here tonight and those that will be listening later. I just release a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. And so we just receive that tonight, Lord. Yeah. I'm going to stick on this this idea that the gospel gives us permission to love ourselves. Um, it, sometimes we focus so much on loving God and loving our neighbor. And we've missed this missing link inside which is being the beloved. You know, loving God is a response to being loved. Um, And there's a lot of reasons, I get it, to be angry with ourselves, (laughs) especially when you know the word and you know what you're supposed to do or you have goals and you have a call of God on your life or you have whatever. I mean, there's, there's, you know, there's an endless to-do list of things we should be doing better. You know, we could all sit down and make a list of those things. But, you know, love just erases the list. There's no list. <laughs> there's no list. There's no list. God doesn't have a list. He doesn't keep a record of wrongs. There's no list. There's just love. And until you can love yourself at your worst, you don't love yourself at all. It's some kind of performance twisted based, performance based relationship that you have with yourself that you're actually subconsciously trying to earn your own approval. And Jesus gives you permission to just go ahead and accept yourself. Pimples and all. Unloveliness and all. Because it's at that place where you know that you're accepted in the beloved not because of anything you've done not because of anything you haven't done not because of you but because that's who he is and he is the judge of what is lovable he is the judge of what is good and he has declared the world worthy of love. For God so loved the world, he declared the world lovable. When there was lots of things that I could assure you that weren't necessarily loving about the world. You know, there's a great um, passage in Romans. I think I'll read it in the Passion. 
see if I can find it here. It says... So what does all this mean? If God has determined to stand with us, tell me then, who could ever stand against us? For God has proved his love by giving us his greatest treasure, the gift of his son. And since God freely offered him up as the sacrifice for all of us, he certainly won't withhold from us anything else he has to give. Who would then dare to accuse those whom God has chosen in love to be his? God himself is the judge who has issued his final verdict over them. Not guilty. Who then is left to condemn us? Certainly not Jesus, the anointed, for he gave his life for us. And even more than that, he has conquered death and is now risen, exalted, and enthroned by God at his right hand. So how could he possibly condemn us since he is continually praying for our triumph? Who would ever separate us from the endless love of God's anointed one? Absolutely no one. For nothing in the universe has the power to diminish his love towards us. Troubles, pressures, and problems are unable to come between us and heaven's love. What about persecutions, deprivations, dangers, and death threats? No, for they are all impotent to hinder omnipotent love. talking about God's love it says when the time was right the anointed one came and died to demonstrate his love for sinners who were entirely helpless, weak, and powerless to save themselves. Now, who of us would dare to, do, to die for the sake of a wicked person? We can all understand if someone was willing to die for a truly noble person. But Christ proved God's passionate love for us by dying in our place while we were still lost and ungodly. 
And there is still much more to say of his unfailing love for us. For though the blood of Je- for through the blood of Jesus we have heard the powerful declaration you are now righteous in my sight. And because of the sacrifice of Jesus you will never experience the wrath of God. So if while we were still enemies, God fully reconciled us to himself through the death of his son, then something greater than friendship is ours. Now that we are at peace with God and because we share in his resurrection life, how much more will we be rescued from sin's dominion? I think that's enough to kind of prove my point here. (laughs) The gospel has given us permission to love ourselves. And you really have to let the scandal of what Jesus did permeate your heart. He died for the undeserving. He loved what was dirty. He loved us in the place where there was nothing that you could see that was lovable. He died for the wicked. Right? He loved the wicked. He didn't hate the wicked. He loved the wicked. And so even the parts of you that you think are the most wicked, and maybe you wouldn't go so far to say that, you might just say the most broken, the most um, addicted, the most um, stupid, the most likely to fail. The, the failure that continues to fail, you know, whatever, whatever part of you, the one that, whatever it is that you get even subconsciously mad at yourself about, Jesus loves that part of you. <clears throat> I mean, I can already hear the religious voice. I mean, it never goes away, does it? It's just like that accusing spirit. You know, that says, yeah, but God wants, wants you to stop that behavior. God doesn't agree with your sin. God doesn't uh, empower you in your sin. I mean, it's like it almost comes, you can't even hear that you're loved without that voice taunting you in the background. What about your sin? What about what you did wrong? What about that? You know, but the truth is that that is Jesus's business. Because what is wrong with you, he is made right. What is wrong with you, he is made right. And the only reason there's something still wrong with you 
is that you believe there's something still wrong with you. And so Jesus gets right down in that place of wrong and teaches you that you're right. And he's patient. He's not religious. He's not the one telling you to clean up your act so that you can be loved. He's the one saying, I love you, and I cleaned up your act. But that gospel, guys, has got to get down into your heart. Like it has got, you've got to know the gospel. And I'll tell you, a lot of things we hear are not the gospel. You know, I'm so thankful for the encounters I had with Jesus before I really knew better. You know, I mean, self-hatred and depression and anger and some of those things that um, you know aren't allowed in church (laughs) Um, you know Jesus uh, he understands and he knows how to come to you right where you are and you see yourself you know and that's what the gospel is designed to do it's it's designed to help you see yourself you know he he gives you permission to love yourself because he declared you lovely and he made you righteous he made you righteous and righteousness is not a way of acting it's a way of being and he he changed your being and now it's 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 just a simple cleansing of our unrighteous thinking and our unrighteous subconscious mind we've lived with the idea that we're unrighteous for so long, we believe it. And so when you hear that you're righteous, you don't know what to... I mean, this is for the humble, okay? This isn't for the Pharisee. I mean, this is for the humble. This is for the humble that actually need a Savior, that are, that are connected to their weaknesses, that are connected to their inability to get it right apart from Jesus. You know, I was talking to someone in Walmart today, and... I mean, they've just had so many well-meaning believers give them a formula for how to overcome their problem. And I'm so thankful that Jesus gets the glory for overcoming my problems. I'm thankful that I recognize how needy 
and how it's not bad to need a savior. It's not bad to need a deliverer. It's not bad to be weak. Because in his strength, when I'm weak, he is strong. I mean, you know, it's, it's, there's not a human effort. It's not a human self-help program. It's a Holy Spirit jailbreak. You know? I mean, I like the idea of needing a white knight and shining armor to come and rescue me. I think that's the beauty of the gospel. You know, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a, a, a disempowering message. It's a, it's a message of knowing who you are apart from him. Now, we're not apart from him. We're in him. One of the things that I, I always, if you really want to get a picture of how loved you are. Okay, the, the gospel, the cross is a huge part of it. But then you have to take it a step further. And you have to realize what was the point. You know, a lot of people think the point was so that we could go to heaven. You know, and then there's the, you know, the better answer that says no. It happened so that heaven could come here. And heaven could invade here, which is awesome. But it really is about a journey back. I mean, where is heaven? (laughs) What is heaven? It's inside of God. The Father. This is the Jesus is the way to what? The way to heaven? No, the way to the Father. And so when you think of perfect love, think about Father's love for Jesus. Think about the Father's love for Holy Spirit. Think about the Holy Spirit in his love for Jesus. Think about perfect, the perfect wholeness, perfect love that exists inside the Trinity. Now, you are in Christ. I mean, the gospel is about you. Again, it's, it's, when I talk about giving you permission to love yourself, I want to give you a picture of how loved you are. You were so loved that you were placed inside of God himself in Christ. So now you get to partake in triune love. And that is perfect love. And so even this focus on what's wrong with you is the wrong focus. Playing the role of self-accusation is not, that's not your script. And playing the role of the accused is not your script. Yes, I mean, in a performance-based world, we can accuse and we can be the accused. But you've been delivered from that system. And you've been placed inside of the Trinity. You've been placed inside of this triune, perfect love. And it's silly not to love yourself. Now, Shalise, how do you do that practically? How do you practically do that? Well, you can only practically love yourself when you don't feel like you're lovable. Like you have to come to the place where you're angry at yourself, you feel stupid, you feel like you, you know, you have to come to the parts that you don't like. 
isn't that a beautiful picture of just, I mean, perfect love. Perfect love. And as the Father loved Jesus, so he has loved you. I mean, there couldn't be any more perfect love given to you or me. We're loved perfectly. And we're not going to be loved more when we are manifesting greater holiness. Now, we may have more peace. <laughs> I mean, it's a more peaceful life. There's, holiness has great benefits. I mean, it's just, it's awesome. I mean, it's the nature of God. Yeah, but you're not going to be loved more. I mean, the truth is, you're holy already. He made you new. He made you what you could never do. So it's really a process of just accepting that. It's a process of just saying, okay, I am who you say I am. You know, I talk to people even this week that just it's so important that you know the gospel. Why? Because it's easy to be deceived. It's easy to go back into this performance-based thing with God and and believe stuff that that puts you on a really bad track. And the gospel reveals God's nature. It reveals him as perfect love. It reveals him as, you know, mercy that triumphed over judgment. It reveals his kindness, his patience. It reveals the, his character. That's why Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so knowing that you are delivered from his wrath, you know, that, that God is not angry at you. He's not angry at you. So why are you angry at you? You know, the, the, you, the only reason we're angry is because somehow we believe, I don't know, something. Well, I don't even, sometimes I think it's like we think we're, we're going to, we've messed up our lives somehow. I'm angry because I've messed up my life. Well, last time I checked, your life is hidden in Christ. Yep. Last time I checked, you, it wasn't your life anymore. Those who lose their life find their life. Our life is found in him. And your destiny is found in him. He, he is the way maker. He is the destiny fulfiller. Faithful is he that called you. He will also do it. Faithful is he that called you. He will also do it. This isn't a get into the kingdom by faith and then fulfill your destiny through works. 
in the same way you received Christ, continue to walk in that. And so you're angry at a lie. Like you, you're, you've messed up your life. Well, wait a second. It's not your life. It's an exchange of life. And you have laid down your life. And now Jesus lives in you. And the life you now live, you live by faith in the Son of God. And so now, when you, you know, when you can't mess up what you didn't dream up. You're God's dream. You're His idea. And you're just discovering how much you need Him. You're coming to, you know, when it means come to the end of yourself, that means come to the end of your own self-effort. Your own self-initiated performance to try and manifest what God has promised. I mean, it really is like a, an Abraham, you know, trying to make Abraham's dream come true when it was God's dream in the first place. This is God's dream. You've somehow taken on it like this is your dream. A prophecy is not your dream. It may feel like it's your dream because it's awakened something in your heart that taps into your deepest desires, but those desires are from God. Those desires that you have for your life are from God. And so coming to the end of yourself is recognizing that Ishmael's are not going to be the path. And It's also coming to the place where you don't idolize the dream and worship the dream more than the dream giver. Because ultimately, a dream is not what you were born to be satisfied by. You are satisfied by the desire of the nations. You know, I've read books of people that have done incredible exploits, raise the dead, you know, success in all different kinds of ways. I mean, we don't have to look very far to see examples of people that have success. And yet, they take their own lives. I mean, how much more gifted could you be than Robin Williams? How much more successful could you be than Robin Williams? I mean, what a gift. What an incredible, I mean, an, like supernatural gift. And so it is a deception to think that you're going to arrive somewhere and be satisfied apart from Him. That is a deception. we could go on and on and on and on with examples. It's true. What I'm saying is true. 
He is the source of your identity. He is the source of your security. He is the source of our satisfaction. I mean, Paul said this, I have learned to be content. I know how to abase and I know how to abound. Meaning, I've been broke and I had some cash. (laughs) And I have learned to be content. And he said, I am (laughs) self-sufficient. He says, I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. And the Amplified, it says, I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. I mean, your relationship with yourself matters. Learning to be kind to yourself matters. It is the manifestation of the love of God. You know, learning to, whatever that means, whatever loving yourself looks like. For some people it is overcoming addictions. Because addictions are coming out of some place that is a love deficit. It's a love deficit. all kinds of our, 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 our behaviors, I mean, our sinful behaviors, the things that we do that we are angry at ourselves about. <laughs> I mean, the very parts of you that are the most ugly are the parts that are the most hungry for love. That's a word. And so Jesus, of course, I mean, the path to freedom is the path of being loved. I mean, that's the path. The path is love. The path is love. And if if our goal in this life is to be something other than the manifestation of perfect love, I mean, yes, we'll be doing other things. I mean, all of us have gifts. I mean, you may be a nurse. You may be called to be a teacher or be a singer or be a... There's all kinds of calls. But you are the manifestation of perfect love. You are destined to be conformed to the image of Jesus. And that is the image of perfect love. That is the image of the Father. That is the the love of the Trinity. And, you know, we have to learn this because we've grown up in a world that is starved for love. I mean, everybody around us, including us. And, you know, just when we think we've arrived, well, you know what? There's deeper, there's wider, there's higher, there's more God's love. I mean, it's like an ocean. You know, that you get a a taste and it's just deeper and deeper and deeper and it's deeper and deeper and deeper. Yeah. And so it's just, I don't know, I think if we can settle the the issue. I mean, in, in 1 Corinthians it talks about, let's see if I can find it in here. It's got the 
lights in here are kind of hard for me to see. I need to get a little desk lamp. Um, that's what happens when you get older sometimes. Break that off. In 1 Corinthians, maybe 2 Corinthians, let me find it here. Okay. Love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous when blessings come to someone else. Love does not brag about one's achievements nor inflate its own importance. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect, nor selfishly seek its own honor. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Listen to this. Love is a safe place of shelter. For it never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as defeat. For it never gives up. Love never stops loving. It extends beyond the gift of prophecy, which eventually fades away. It's more enduring than tongues, which will one day fall silent. Love remains long after words of knowledge are forgotten. Our present knowledge, our prophecies are but partial. But when love's perfection arrives, the partial will fade away. When I was a child, I spoke about childish matters. For I saw things like a child and reasoned like a child. But the day came when I matured and I set aside my childish ways. For now we see with a faint reflection its riddles and mysteries as though reflected in a mirror, but one day we will see face to face. My understanding is incomplete now, but one night I will understand everything, just as everything about me has been fully understood. Until then, there are three things that remain, faith, hope, and love. Yet love surpasses them all. So above all else, let love, listen to this, be the beautiful prize for which you run. I read it again. So above all else, let love be the beautiful prize for which you run. And then it goes into, you know, the spiritual gifts and to be enthusiastic about them. But it's like make love purpose, make love the goal, make love the prize. I think sometimes we forget the point. 
So what does that mean? It means you become a student of love. Which means you get to know Mr. Love himself. Jesus is the manifestation of love. The gospel is the manifestation of love. The cross, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus. You know, living your life for yourself is extremely miserable. (laughs) It really is. You know, self, you know, it doesn't mean that I'm not, this is kind of the, you know, when you love yourself, do you know what? You can actually forget yourself. Because you aren't your problem anymore. When you love yourself, you can forget yourself and now actually start to have the others, (laughs) other focused love. You know? And you know this to be true because, you know, when you do give out of that best place in your heart, you know, or you make a sacrifice or you, you just know that place. I mean, you know, you know, I've taught some Sundays or even, I think this is an emerge. I've been teaching about just the wrong motives for giving, you know, like doing things out of compulsion and guilt. And, you know, we're called to live from the authentic place of love, not good works. And there's, there is no other place worth, that's, that's such a lie, it's so alive when you're in that place. And because we have the Holy Spirit, we tap into that. You know what I mean? We, 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 you know, when you do, we all have that in us. And you know, when you tap into that, even just when you're ministering with someone, you know, and the love of God just begins to pour out of you and you start to see them the way God sees them. And, you know, you're so ministered to, you're so blown away because it's like you're experiencing the love of God for another person, you know? And that is where our life is found. Not in works, not just doing good deeds because we have to and we're motivated by guilt and things, but coming out of an authentic place. And, you know, I just believe we're called to live authentically, but we're called to live authentically as love. And when we don't love ourselves, then you know what? We appropriately, appropriately, the way God loves us, you know, then we don't have boundaries and we, we give to receive love. We give to be accepted by others. You know, our motivations become tangled up with our need for love. And God wants you to have that settled in our hearts. Now, does that mean we don't minister before? No, it doesn't mean that you got to get it all figured out before you go bless people. I mean, I know when I was at my most broken, he had me in the nursing home. Because there is a, a place where, you know, you're just so used to thinking crappy all the time. That sometimes it's just, I felt like the Lord knew that I needed to get out and see what what a really crappy situation actually looked like. And the truth is we can always find somebody else who's got it worse than us. 
And sometimes when you're in that really, really, like I was, that was the best, that was the best thing for me, was to go out and see what real suffering looked like. What real suffering, you know? Yeah. And so for those of us that are struggling with this, you know, I, I just, you have, you don't just have permission to love yourself, which is how I started this out, that the gospel gives you permission to love yourself. But the truth is, it's a command. Love is a command. And, and Jesus didn't tell you, you know, because here's, here's the thing. When we reject what God has accepted, we nullify the cross. So when we think about ourselves in unlovely terms, we are setting ourselves up as a judge above God. If God has judged you righteous, if God has judged you holy, if God has judged you accepted, then who, who are we to say, no, I'm rejected, or I am whatever negative word you want to put under behind that? You know, your self-talk matters. The way we, we, the voices we allow in our, to run rampant in our heads. And I'm so thankful that I actually spent those years you know, just in the word of God. Because, you know, get a good Bible that you like to read and start with John and go through the epistles. I mean, this it is good news. It's good news. I, I was reading the Passion today with just the Psalms are so cool, you know. But granted, they're even not the new covenant. I mean, this was David doing, you know, his best there, but it's still not the intimacy that we have. So I just, I just, so how do you, what do you do practically? Well, you know what? You might need to forgive yourself. You might need to forgive some others. Forgiveness is not, I mean, it is a, it's a loving act. And it, it, it sets us free from offense and the, the record of wrongs that we keep. And let me say this, you're probably going to, someone's probably going to do something to you this week. I'm not prophesying it, but I'm just saying, I mean, you know, we go through life, it's easy to get offended. I mean, there's things that people do that, you know, they don't understand, they misunderstand, whatever. And so forgiveness is a lifestyle. But you also can set down the role of being the accuser and being the accused in your own mind. See, I really believe that we can respond to the gospel. We can say, yes, Jesus is Lord. <laughs> I'm a believer. I believe Jesus Christ is the son of God. He raised from the dead. You know, you can, you can confess the gospel and you can choose to forgive. 
Why? Because the gospel has declared you forgiven. And has declared every other person that has hurt you forgiven. So all you're doing really is agreeing (laughs) with what's already true. That we're all forgiven. So, all right, I'm going to open it up for questions. If anybody has any questions, because sometimes this opens up our thoughts to questions. Anyone? Yeah. interesting thing that's coming up while we're talking here. I mean, you know, when we lead people in prayer sessions to kind of work through issues in their heart, there's always kind of three areas that we work through. You know, one is um, just, like I said, it's the pain of offense. And so it's that area of forgiveness. And so if, you know, forgiveness is a lifestyle. I mean, if you are finding yourself with negative emotions You know, it's a good thing to decide, you know, try to determine, is this an issue of forgiveness? Okay, do I need to forgive myself? Do I need to forgive someone else? And it's not, you don't forgive because you feel like it. You forgive because you don't feel good. I mean, forgiveness is like the Advil. (laughs) It's a pain reliever. And so when you are in pain, if you've been injured by someone else or you are angry with yourself, forgiveness is a huge pain release, right? And so I just say that's, you know, this week, that's, I mean, you know, just forgiveness is a lifestyle, you know? And then, you know, the second piece I I just would say about that is, I don't know, this is a, it's, it's a way of, Life. It's not a, you know, it's the way of love. It's, it's, when you think about it, on a day-to-day basis, do you wake up out of peace? Do you go to bed out of peace? Does your peace get stolen along the way somewhere? You know, where, what steals your peace? What, where's the place that I've, I've stepped out of peace? Like I was in peace and now I'm not in peace, you know? And so it's, Becoming really aware of what's going on in your heart and in your, you know, and, and, and not running from it, you know, but actually allowing love at that, that's, that's where love is needed. I mean, it is an, I just believe God ministers at our, the place of our emotions. I know a lot of people are like, you know, emotions, you need to just reset, don't feel every, resist everything. But I really believe that emotions are God-given. And that, I mean, I know sometimes it's as simple as literally opening up your Bible and just reading the few lines of Scripture. And, and the Holy Spirit will bring you right back into peace. 
You know, other times it's forgiveness. But I, I, I believe true maturity is an internal thing. I don't know that you can always judge maturity by external behaviors. I think maturity, I mean, I, I, I can see the growth in my own life. And I, I can also see where there's need for more growth. You know, I can see how far I've come sometimes because my reactions aren't what they used to be, you know. But I can also see that they are not necessarily all peaceful either. You know, maybe I'm not lashing out, but maybe I'm, you know, but maybe there's an internal worry or something. And I just believe that Jesus came for us to experience wholeness in our emotions, in our soul, in our body, in every area of our life. But I do know that our inner life is very, very important because out of our heart, you know, flow the issues of life. It's our heart. Out of the the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's not what goes into a man that defiles a man, but it's what comes out of the man's heart, out of his mouth that defiles a man. And so for me, spiritual maturity is not just acting loving, (laughs) you know, but it's, it's, it's confronting the things in my heart that are still in need of love, where I'm not feeling loving. (laughs) and giving yourself to feel those things so that he can come and minister in those areas. You know, it's, I think sometimes, you know, I think, I think it's harder in the world we live in because it's such an information age. There's a million things to do at any given moment. You can be entertained in 20 million different ways you can get distracted in however, you know, pick your passion, you know. It, it's easier to hide addictions and things because you can do it in the, you know, I just think, I think it's, it's harder sometimes to live from a centered, quiet place. It takes, I think it takes effort. And I think it's worth the effort. So I think, I don't know, I just, I mean, there's simple things. It's spending time. I know it sounds not religiously spending time with God, like get your five-minute devotion in and read your Jesus calling for the day and, you know, get your 365-day read a Bible verse in. No, it's, it's getting to know him. It's a relationship. And... In, like any relationship, I mean, who would want, you know, I'm developing a, even a friendship. Like we're going to, like I'm going to, I'm going to treat it like that. Yeah, I, I mean, if love is our aim, our highest aim, the knowing, I mean, the person that loves you and that is going to heal you and is going to reveal to you everything. I don't know. I just think it's pretty, I mean, it sounds hard, but I think it's simple. 
It's not necessarily simple in, in execution because life happens. And you get triggered or this happens or blah, blah, you know, somebody flips out or someone gets hurt or serious illness. I mean, there's life happens. But I, I feel Jesus lived from a place of being centered in the Father's love, centered in the Father's heart. And I sense until that happens in our lives, then we're, we're no different than the people that are out there pursuing something to fulfill something in them. And I never want to be that person. I want to be fulfilled. And then, you know, so I, I just believe it's the, that it's very simple, but I think our intimacy with God is the most important thing. And, and so what do you do if you're kind of feeling disconnected? Because we all, that happens to everybody. That happens to everybody. It, I, I, I mean, I don't know, I think it probably happened to Jesus because he was tempted in all ways. So it, it's, it had to happen to him. And I mean, he went up and spent all night in prayer one night with the Father. I mean, I don't know what he was feeling in those times. We all feel far sometimes. You know, but this is the beauty of the gospel. It's just an illusion. Feeling far from God doesn't mean you're far from God. Feeling like, oh, I can't hear you. You know, it's, it's perceptions. It's, it's, it's in your own perception. And so for me, you know, I go back to some pretty recurring visions. Sometimes the Holy Spirit brings it to me without me even asking. You know, and it's, it, they're always visions of oneness. You know, and if I can't really connect, well, then you know what? I'm going to open up the Word and I'm going to read some of the most intimate scriptures. I'm going to go read John 14. I find that so intimate. John 15, John 16, John 17. I find those to be such intimate scriptures. Um, I go read Philippians 3, you know, where Paul says, my determined purpose is to know him, you know, and the power of his resurrection. Or I'll go read, I mean, I do, there's just certain places, that, you know, that, that you, that, that, you know, that just bring, it brings me back to the gospel, you know, the gospel of the reality that I can hear him. You know, and, and then sometimes it's, it's practical. I'm just talking practical. Sometimes the problem has gotten so big in our head that there's no space for God because it's just all the problem. And I know it's cliche, but, you know, I don't know, worship. You got to get, you got to exalt God. Not because it's religious. It's because you recognize that your mind has been hijacked by something and you've got to get your mind back. <laughs> you know, it's like, wait a minute, I need to exalt God. I just need to exalt God. You don't even, you just know that your mind is filled with everything but God. So it's just, and these are just the things that you learn over time in walking with the Lord on how do you, how do you reconnect? And how do you stay connected? I mean, it's it's just abiding. It's learning to abide. But the truth is you're not disconnected. The truth is you're not... 
abandoned. You're not, you know, God's not way up there and you're down here trying to fend for yourself. I mean, you are the temple of God. He is in you. He's experiencing what you're experiencing. He's feeling what you're feeling. So even the isolation, he, he's, he, he can't not experience what you're, you're one. You're one with God. And so there is no, he's experiencing the frustration you're experiencing at being apart, separated from him. And so it's that to me is what wakens, wakes me back up to the connection. So the moment I start to recognize, I'm feeling, you know, it's like, oh, wait, wait, it's just an illusion here. And so I just begin to meditate. I am one with him. I'm, you're here, you're here, you're here at the mind of Christ. I I worship you. You're worthy. This is just an illusion. This is not real. I I have your thoughts. I have your mind. that's just the way I do it doesn't mean that's the way you should do it I just know I know that the fact that you feel disconnected is just a feeling if you get and stay in the spirit you don't yeah play the guitar and sing yeah worship yeah he just melts away. Yeah. And then as you get higher in that place, your thoughts just, it just takes over. Yeah. 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 It's just a correction in your thoughts. It's reminding me of Peter, kind of, you know, like when Jesus said, the enemy's going to sift you like wheat. And then what came out of his heart, like it was so shocking and so surprising, you know. Um, But, you know, this is the beauty of it, Amy. (laughs) This is, I mean, I love, Jesus is so lovely. You know, he's not shocked. And he's not disgusted. Um, he's, you know, this is the thing. I love, this is the vision, you know, like, <laughs> Jesus never gets tired of cleaning up the vomit. Like, that's a horrible kind of thing to think about, but, you know, we just, our heart, you know, it's like we just vomit up all this garbage, and Jesus is just right there to clean it up. 
And he can't, he brings it up not to hurt you. You know, or the enemy sifts it and it comes up. It's not designed to hurt you. It's a purge. It's a purge. So this is a purge of your heart. You know, like nobody wants to throw up. It's gross. It's, you feel sick. You don't, but it's a purge. And so a purging of our heart is a good thing. It is a good thing. And it doesn't define you. Okay, that's a thing too. It doesn't define you. Jesus defines you. And the reason why it's so important that it comes up is because it's not in agreement with who you really are. And the reason you don't like it is actually a confirmation that that's not who you are. That there's this like incongruent part here that's like, this is who I am. But this is like because of woundedness and brokenness and things that have, you know, I've gone through in my life. This, it's like a wound in my heart. I mean, that came from a hurt place. Do you, do you, do you, do you understand? You can see that, right? I think sometimes when we recognize that, that it comes from a hurt place, that this is Jesus embracing it. This is an opportunity for that part of you to, to get loved. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, maybe you shouldn't be so excited to be further along. Maybe you should just feel more dependent. it's one of the best experiences in the world to realize what you're capable of apart from Jesus. I mean, I think that's kind of what I was saying earlier about how thankful I am to, to recognize just what a piece of trash I really would be without Jesus. Uh, you know, it, 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 and so for me, rather than turn it around in like self-hatred, 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 it's more like this is the place where Jesus comes. I mean, that's, this is the place of worship. This is the place where he gets down in it with you and loves you and unravels it you know, and, and, and polishes it. And I don't know what makes some kind of beautiful out of it. 
I mean, he made, that's the raw materials he uses. I mean, this is the God, that's a God worth worshiping to me. I mean, that is so beautiful that he takes, I mean, that to me, it, when those experiences happen to you, see, that's when you start to realize I actually am valuable because he came down to that place. And if he's, if he's in this place where I'm obviously, this garbage is the stinkiest, most disgusting, most horrible thing ever. And that's the exact place he gets down into and set, and then begins to like love you and da, 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 da. You just think it changes you. I mean, there is something beautiful that can't, it, it, those are the, that is the raw material that Jesus uses. And we'd like it to be some kind of self-righteous thing. You know, where he takes the good things in us. But he doesn't. He comes right down at those places. He is such an authentic guy. And he's not not intimidated by your heart. And he's not disgusted by your heart. for sure um, they're definitely related because I mean they are I think yeah they're related for sure but I I don't think they're the same thing because they wouldn't need to be separate words if they weren't you know you could just say the same they could just be, the, they could just be one word um, but I, I, I have a sense that I really want you to grab a hold of I, Lord just give Amy a visual for this um it's kind of like pure love to me is what imparted righteousness. You know, pure love to me is this person, Jesus, who is, of course, righteous. I mean, but he's a person. Pure love is a person. And it's like he's coming down. Like, I, because when I, I guess it's because of the encounters I've had. Like, I mean, when I, I just, you're just going to have some amazing encounters with Jesus through this, Amy. And they're going to be some of the most, lo- I mean, these, the, the worst parts of me, the, the, when Jesus loved the worst parts of me, those have been the most life-transforming. I mean, that is a place where worship, it is the place where the woman gets down with her hair and tears and washes his feet. I mean, the, it is the most beautiful thing for a prostitute to be, to worship Jesus because she's I mean, that person is who we're worshiping. So to not encounter that, I mean, like, bring all the garbage up, Jesus. Bring all the ugly up. Like, bring it up. Let vomit me. Let me vomit. It's like, Peter, wash my whole body. You know, and he's like, you already clean by my word. But I mean, it's such an incredible, like, there's no, you can't get that revelation about Jesus if you're not dirty. 
And, and see, I just think sometimes we think we're too freaking clean. And one of the most beautiful things that can happen is for how just how dirty we are to come to the surface. Because that is the only place pure love can actually manifest. Pure love, that is what pure love does. And without it, that's some other love. It's love, maybe, but that's not real. That's not love. That's not the love that changes your heart. That's not the love that picks you up out of the dirt and sets you at the table with princess. He picks the pauper. He picks the dirty ones up. He takes what is disgusting and makes it beautiful. That is who we serve. Hey. And so if I have to identify with the dirt, and that's what I did in the middle of Walmart Day. I mean, I was just almost like beside myself because I love, I'm so thankful that, you know, he's picked me up and cleaned it. But I mean, I will never, that is, that's who I worship. That's who I love. I love the one and no human being, there's not a human being that can do this for you. Like, and there's nothing that can take it from you. And I'll tell you, I've survived the call of God on my life because of that. And many times that's what it's felt like, a surviving the call of God on my life. And I'm sure the Apostle Paul felt the same way. And I'm not trying to, you know, exalt in my infirmities or whatever like the Apostle Paul. But I'm telling you, I serve a man named Jesus Christ. And he is altogether lovely and he is worthy and he is perfect love and he has given me permission to love myself even when I was the dirtiest and all that crap came up I mean let it come up because it does not define you he defines you And he's in the healing business. He's in the healing hearts, a healing of hearts business. He's in the making beautiful things out of dirty things. So, I mean, I'm like, okay, I'm dirty. Like you get to a place where it's, and to me, that's true humility. It's, 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 there is no righteousness apart from him. So to me, the righteousness comes when you're there and he's like, oh, but you know, he imparts it to you, you know, and then your self-esteem comes not because all that, because even all that stuff came up in your heart, it doesn't change the fact that you're righteous or that you're holy. You know what I mean? You've got an unrenewed mind. You got some broken places in your heart. You got some bad programming. You got some unlovely, you got some, you know, some anger, whatever these things are. And he, I just love the fact that Jesus is not intimidated, turned off. I mean, this is what he's attracted to. And I don't know, for me, that gets me, rather than getting all real about it, I get excited about it. Because I'm like, it's not when you're in it, and sometimes it doesn't feel like that. But but the encounter that you have in it, I would, I'd like to vomit another hundred times. Because it's a deeper revelation of perfect love. <laughs> I mean, it really is. Because you just don't deserve love at that moment. And he's like, whoa, you thought it was about that? Like, I loved you before you knew that about yourself, you know. So there is a revelation of love in this that you don't get any other way. 
Sally, did you have something? It's, you know, just giving yourself, it's like, you know, you just have to, you got to, and again, this is so, like, you know, every, it's like I can literally hear the religious spirit. It's like, you know, well, it's almost like, it's like you got to give yourself permission for it to come out, and you've got to, you know, because here's the thing. Jesus basically put the standard of this. He didn't put the standard of good behavior on your actions. He put the standard of good behavior on what you have in your heart. And he equated just it being in your heart is the same thing as the action. He's to hate your brother's murder. I mean, thank God our legal justice system doesn't work that way. <laughs> We'd all be in, on death row. <laughs> you know what I mean? We'd all be, you know, on death row. Because from God's perspective, the heart and the actions are the same thing. And God is a heart man. He's a heart man. And so I guess that's what I'm saying. Like when this ugly stuff comes out, it may be shocking to us. It is shocking, you know, sometimes that it's still there. But, you know, suppressing it and it not being there doesn't mean it's better. You know, it's one of the things I love to, you know, I heard Danny Silk talk about, you know, culture of honor is just a safe place for that junk to come up. You know, and, and it's hard to it's it's hard to find that because you know, it's just, we don't even like it. <laughs> we don't like it ourselves, much less yours. You know what I mean? Like I don't even want to look at my stuff, much less your stuff. Keep your stuff to yourself. I'm going to hide mine. Okay, and then we can all pretend we're good with a bunch of service relationships. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. When Amy was asking about love and righteousness, I just saw this picture. 
of like um, righteousness is like a stance that someone gets stood in and pure love is the person you're standing in and your heart tries to tell you that that's not real that's what I was saying Obviously, righteousness to me is a God. I mean, he's a person. It's, a, it's who God is, right? So it's a part of love for sure, but I don't think it encompasses all of what love is. It's a part of love. I mean, I think pure love is like all those things almost. It's like righteousness and glory and holiness. and It's just pure, pure, everything pure, <laughs> everything lovely, everything good, everything, you know, definitely a part of pure love but I think pure love is just this all encompassing incomprehensible immeasurable bliss and love light just correct you know like indescribable almost it's heaven it's peace it's all the fruit of the spirit to me it's like I know love is one of the nine but I all of them are manifestations of love all of the nine. So, but yeah, well, Father, you know, I just pray that this message is just, I, you know, we're just, we're learning. <laughs> we're learning who you are as we walk through life, as we walk through the different situations that we have. And um, I just thank you that we're not walking through it alone. Lord, I just pray for for parts of our hearts that have just been shut down. We just have been, you know, sometimes we don't even give ourselves permission to get connected to our heart because it's scary. Sometimes what's in our heart is scary. We're afraid of these feelings. We're afraid to feel the pain. We're afraid to connect with, you know, that's why we just like, you know, forget those things that lie behind, which praise God if they're actually forgotten, but usually we're reenacting them. And I just thank you that as we leave tonight, that you're doing something in our hearts. You're doing something in our in our lives through the circumstances that we're facing right now. Thank you that it's, it, you said all things work together for good. And so I thank you that you're working something good out. And so Father, I just pray that we would have a deep heart connection with you and that we would not be afraid of our own hearts that we would allow the light to shine so that you can bring us into a greater level of wholeness in our relationships and in our relationship with ourselves and, and just all of the aspects of our life. Thank you that we're growing up in love. So I just bless us as we leave tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.